The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. Pastor Ryan here. So glad to see that you are here on this beautiful September Sunday morning. In fact, y'all are looking good. Well, those of you that I can see anyways, it's a little dark in some of the places, but Aaron, you're looking good. By the way, if you're ever confused, Ryan, Aaron, Aaron, Ryan. Hey, you know, some of us are really sad because, well, summer is coming to an end and fall is upon us. Some of us were in mourning. We're sad that we're not going to have the lake days anymore out on the boat or the hikes up in the mountains. For me and my family, we're campers. I know not everybody in this room right now is outdoorsy, but my family loves to camp. One of my favorite parts of camping personally has always been time around the fire. Community, conversation, family, s'mores. It's always been my favorite time. In fact, I can remember back to when I was a young kid, I could spend half an hour, hour just staring into the coals of a fire, just watching them feed off of one another with almost a kinetic energy, those deep reds and oranges and yellows, and even sometimes the blues and the greens. It's just always been fascinating to me. And I'm sad that that time is gonna be over. But you know what? I'm also excited for the fall. I'm excited specifically when it comes to church because with fall comes some changes, right? We start to see more and more people come back on Sunday mornings where we've missed a lot because of vacations or traveling or work trips or whatever it is. We see ministries that took a pause for the summer uh, start back up again. Things like life groups, Grove Men, Grove Women, tutoring on Wednesday nights, Connect 2, 3, and 4, 5 for second and third and fourth and fifth graders, which by the way, uh, reports are there's already 90 kids pre-registered for those classes where they say, I don't want to play video games. They're saying, mom and dad, I want to come on Wednesday night, learn about Jesus and hang out with my friends. And I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the building project that's happening. You probably noticed over the last few days on social media or driving by this whole side, the west side of the building has been torn down in preparation for building our new auditorium. And of course, with expansion and change comes uh, uh, inconveniences where we have to, you've heard the term shuttling coming. You're going to hear more about that. But can I pause for a moment? I want to say thank you in two ways. Number one, I want to say thank you to every single person who has jumped into the Legacy Campaign. First off, in prayer, believing for God to expand our ability to reach more people in Marysville and the surrounding cities. I also want to say thank you to those who have jumped on board financially to see this mission take place. Um, it's a stretch. And, and we're not just doing this to build a nice, shiny new building. We're doing it because we're running out of room. We've got four gatherings. Uh, and, and if you've noticed this, exciting because it's happening. But as we get into September, and especially October and November, attendance on Sunday mornings starts to creep up. And in fact, if you have attended the 925 or 1035 the last few weeks, already only in the middle of September, it's starting to squeeze in and tighten up. And so I want to ask a favor of you. Number one, if you're an adult or a couple and you don't have kids in Grove Kids, if you attend the 925 or the 1035, would you consider coming to the 815 or the 1145 to make room in those midter gatherings? If you're a parent, a parent or parents of kids in Grove Kids, would you consider if you come to the 925 or the 1035, bumping to the 1145, same incredible services that they have for kids back there during that time, but it'll help bring and open up room in the auditorium during those hours. I wanna say thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing in and through the Grove in the surrounding cities. Oh my gosh, I am so late. I'm supposed to be on stage with you guys inside. Aaron, do me a favor, open up the door.
Nobody tell Pastor Nick that I did this while he was gone. Okay? I want to tell you the first couple of times I did this, I did not have the little pieces fall. So that was a little scary. Well, hey, can I just start out by saying this? Man, I love child dedications. Man, these are some of my favorite Sundays. I love watching parents come and basically make a public commitment to both structuring their home values around Jesus and who are committing to, to raise their kids in church where they can be in community with other kids. I, I honestly believe uh, with all of my heart that the greatest thing that a parent can impart to a child is to have the foundation that Jesus is there for them in every moment, to get through life's that journey of life, the ups and the downs, having that is one of the most important things. I just love it uh, so much. Uh, and I'm stoked uh, today to be continuing uh, a series that we began last week called Get a Life Group, <laughs> right? Uh, and Pastor Nick, if you missed that message, always encourage you. you can go back to Facebook. If you're on the old Facebook, uh, you can find our messages are always there. Or you can go to the website, grove.church. Uh, download the Grove.Church app, which, by the way, in your app store, if you haven't done that yet, please download it. Quick way to stay updated. But either of those spots, you can click uh, underneath the media and find past messages. Uh, and Pastor Nick started it last week. And uh, I'm going to jump right in for time's sake today because with child dedications, I have a little less time. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to take those out. Always encourage you to bring your Bible with you. Uh, of course, you know, some of us have a smartphone, Bible app. You can take that out as well. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs is right in the middle of your Bible. If you have a physical one with you. And as you turn in there, I just want to give you the overarching theme. If you don't remember anything else from today, remember this. You and I were created for community. You and I were created. We were intelligently designed for community. I mean, think about this for a moment. If God is real and he created, think about this on the macro scale, the heavens and the earth, the universe, Right, that, that our planet is just in the exact right position around the orbit and distance from the sun to promote life. Right, that it's on this axis and this tilt that promotes all of this. Right, that if we go a little bit closer to home, look at the human body. If you want to see about how we were uh, intelligently designed. Now, I knew from a young age I was not meant to become a doctor, although the money would have been a lot better, I'll tell you that, right? Right, but I had to take an anatomy physiology class in college. And I remember as you dissect the body, look at it, all the parts and how it works together, the body is incredible. We take a lot of these things for granted, but our bodies are incredible. Right, we don't even have to consciously think about breathing. It, we just do it to stay alive. Right, you think about the food that we eat for uh, um, sustenance, right? Our bodies are smart enough to take food, break it into what's usable and what's not, apply what's usable to keep us alive and to heal us and to give us strength and energy and discard the stuff that's not. Now, unlike Wolverine in the movies, we can't cut ourselves and instantly heal, but the body regenerates, doesn't it? Like you slice yourself, you got to cut. I got the scars to prove it. The body regenerates itself. It's got an immune system, right? We are intelligently designed and not just on a physical plane, right? We were spiritually intelligently designed as well. And you and I were created for community. We were meant to be with, we were meant to be around, we were meant to rub elbows with, be connected to other believers. You and I were not meant to walk this journey alone. And for some of us, engaging this idea of being plugged into community, for some of us, it's a little harder than for others. Let me, let me go through a couple of the reasons that kind of uh, things that can keep us from joining into community, from connecting with others. 
Um, I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. I wanna make sure that you're awake this morning. So I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if this applies to you. The preface of this question is, I'm not gonna make you look silly. Okay, Ryan's not gonna ask you something to make you look dumb as you raise your hand and nobody else does. But help me out here. On, on a large scale, we're just, some of us are wired differently that lends towards engaging this or staying away from this topic of community. Okay, raise your hand if you would say on the, the spectrum of this question, you range more towards being an extrovert. You're more people, you love to be around people. When you're around people, it energizes you, it fills your battery. If you're alone for too long, Pete, thank you for raising your hand. He got the uh, elbow from his wife. Right, go and put your hands down. Right, I'm that way. COVID was tough for me. Okay, when I was stuck in my house and I love my family to death, but, but I, I go sour if I'm alone too long. I got to be around there. Okay, on the other side of the spectrum, and I know that there's a new one called ambivert, so don't be Switzerland today. I'm just asking which one you, one side or the other, would say that you range more towards introvert. Go ahead and raise your hand. Dude, more of us in every gathering that has been this way. And a few of them I said, dude, add about 25% more hands because there's some introverts that are so introverted they don't want to raise their hand right now <laughs> in front of everybody, Right? And that's okay. It's not right or wrong. It's just how we're wired. And so if you're an introvert by nature, which my wife is that way, like it's harder to engage this idea of community because it's not natural to us. Here's another one. I bring up this topic a lot when I speak uh, because I think it pertains to whatever we're going through in life. This is always a variable that's at play, okay? Culture and societal pressures and norms can impact on whether or not we want to engage in community or not. And we've said this before, but it bears repeating. In our fast-paced, digitally connected world today, there's this dangerous paradox that we've talked about, isn't there? Well, we have more ways to be connected with each other than ever before, we yet find ourselves more and more isolated. The cultural influences of our time sometimes push us to prioritize things like individualism and self-reliance, right? These are the thoughts that the idea that I don't need anybody else and I'm all that I need. Right? Societal pressures also have us prioritize digital interaction over real face-to-face -face connections. Can I be honest with you? It's really easy for us to hide behind our phone screens and our computer screens rather than be one-on-one -on -one with people in person. And this tendency towards isolation can lure you and I to forgetting this biblical truth, this premise that you see all throughout the Old Testament from Genesis to the very last book of the Bible in Revelation that you and I were created for community, to be in interaction with one another. Here's another one. For some of us, the reason that it's hard to engage in community, let's just be real, that yes, while many of us in this room are adults, we're still kids inside our hearts, and, and, and sometimes we don't want to engage in community because we're afraid that people will see the real us. That if I, hey, I'm good with the rows when there's hundreds of people on a Sunday morning, but going to life groups in a circle where there's a lot less people and I can't hide as well. And I got to, what if people find out about my past? What if they find out about what I really think about something? And what's the root issue that we're really afraid of? Just like kids in school, we're afraid that they're going to reject us. And it keeps us from wanting to engage. We keep people at a distance. Here's another one, and this is real. For some of us, there's, there's clinically diagnosed anxiety to be in groups around other people. I've had a conversation uh, at different times with different people in our church that struggle with that. I had a gentleman uh, just a, a little while ago, uh, it was earlier uh, in the year, but he was, we were having a Grove Men event. He said, Ryan, I want to come and be a part of a Grove Men event, but 100 guys in a room, it's just, it's intimidating to me. I have anxiety, and that's just, it's a real thing. There's one more I'll add. Certainly this is not an exhaustive list of reasons that keep us from wanting to engage. But for some of us, I think that we've bought into this 
lie that's been perpetrated in society. We see it in movies. We see it uh, in stories of those that are celebrities. We, we, we read it in the magazines of the, the self-promoted millionaires and billionaires of companies, right? These, these incredible uh, p- pillars of leadership that somehow if you're strong, if you're strong, you don't need anybody else. Man, I'm a self-made millionaire. I don't care what anybody else thinks about what I do. And it's this idea that if you're strong, you don't need people. And if you do need people, you are weak. And we might not even realize that that subconsciously is being fed to us at all moments. But just because you shouldn't rely on everything everybody says at all moments. But, but it's not this. Because we all need to have these moments of interaction around other people. We need others. And the truth is this, there's a myriad of examples, both in the Old Testament and New, that illustrate this importance of community, this overarching theme that you and I were created for community. So that's the overarching theme. And then each week in the installment of the message, we look at one specific element of why it's important to be in community and what is available when you are and what you miss out on when you aren't. Last week, Pastor Nick asked this question, and this was the topic that we focused in on. How often do you connect with key people around you and say, I need your advice? Right? That as fellow believers in Christ, as we're trying to navigate life, and it could be a family-oriented thing, it could be a job change, it could be an area of town, it could be finance, whatever it is, man, sometimes we just need people's advice to help us make it through and navigate the season that we're in. So if that was the question for last week, here's the question for this week. How often do you connect with key people around you and say, I need your encouragement. I had you turn there, Proverbs 12, verse 25, and I'm going to move through several in the Old Testament, several in the New, just to give us a a, a, a kind of a snapshot of what the Scripture has to say about this. You won't necessarily be able to turn as we go, but take notes and write these down. But Proverbs 12, 25 says this to start. It says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Just a few chapters later in Proverbs, chapter 16, 24, write it down. says this, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Let's go to the New Testament. Romans chapter 1, verse 12 says this. This is the Apostle Paul who's writing to the Romans. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But, everybody say, but. That was weak. I mean, the 815 had like half the amount of people and they were louder. Let's try that again. Everybody say, but. But. Paul says, I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul says, when I'm with you, I want to encourage you in your faith. But guess what? Yes, I'm the Apostle Paul. Yes, I'm one of the guys that could have written, you know, multi-made millionaire, big shot, famous. I mean, he is a mover and a shaker in the New Testament. You might not know this, but the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament that you read in your Bible. Paul's a big boy of the faith. If anybody could say, I don't need anybody else, it's Paul. But what does he say? It doesn't matter how high up the chain you get, how long you've been walking this road. When I'm with you, I want to encourage you in your faith. And guess what? But I also need to be encouraged by yours. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Come on, we need to be in the habit of being together. You can't be together if you're not together. You can't encourage or spur on if you're not around. Does that make sense? Right? There's this picture that's being painted for us. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians 
Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Apostle Paul again, writing to the church at Corinth, he says it this way. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that what? We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It is this picture of being together and what God has comforted us and be able to do it for others. But again, we got to be together to make that happen. Here's the last one. Again, this is just a survey. There's so many passages in Scripture. We could have looked at a character study of Barnabas in the New Testament. Man, he was known as like the son of encouragement, always encouraging those that were around him. But I want to read this to you because it sets up a couple of questions that I want to ask you. And when I ask these questions, I don't want you to raise your hand. Just be introspective and be honest with yourself. But Psalms 69.20 says this. It says, scorn has broken my heart and left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. I looked for comforters, but I found none. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a season where where maybe you messed up or maybe you tried something and it didn't work or maybe you got turned down, maybe you got rejected, which ultimately these scenarios maybe painted or, or put you in a spot where you felt like a failure? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation that was so overwhelming to the point that you couldn't sleep night after night? Was there ever a time where the stresses, the anxiety, or depression of life felt debilitating? Ever had a moment when you were at the end of your rope, felt like you had nothing left to give, and you just wanted to give up? I think all of us could relate to one of these situations at one time or another in our lives or something like that. And it's in those times like that that we need those around us who can encourage us not to give up, not to cash it in, to remind us that we're not a failure. Just because you fail at something doesn't make you a failure. Failure is, is, is a title. It's finite. It's something that you are. We all fail. We all mess up, right? People around us that can pull us out of those dark moments with a new perspective and bring hope where there doesn't seem to be any. And I want to give us a challenge in two different ways. The first challenge as believers is this. Will you and I begin to actively think each day and look for opportunities to encourage somebody around us? Look for opportunities to encourage somebody around you. And can I tell you this? It doesn't have to be this groundbreaking, paradigm-shifting, life-altering moment in somebody's life. Sometimes it's just a smile, a hello, and man, I love your smile every day when you come in. Hey, you're so... Sometimes it's the little tiny things that we can do to encourage people that we have no idea what they're facing. And we hear the stories, though. We hear the testimonies. Man, I was having such a hard week, but that one little thing you did to say hello, to ask if you could help me to do this thing, completely turned my, my week around. How many of you would say by a raise of hands, be honest with me, okay? You like to be encouraged. Anybody not like to be encouraged? <laughs> okay, right? We all like to be encouraged. How many of you wish you'd be encouraged more by people? Probably all of us. Well, it takes somebody else to do the encouraging. So let's be the people that do the encouraging. Let's start a wave and a movement of encouraging those around us. That's number one. Number two, I'm going to go back to the question. When and how often do you say to key people around you, I could use your encouragement? Not only to look for ways, but if you need it, ask for it. Find the key people around you. Sometimes we get into this place, well, I don't want to ask. I don't want to seem needy. Well, I don't want to like go, you know, I, I don't want to. 
If you need it, find somebody to encourage you. Don't sit back and wait. Right, when you're in a dark place, maybe a scenario like we painted a few minutes ago, one of those or something like that, it's okay to ask key people around you for encouragement. That's what we're meant as the body to do for one another. Let me say it one more time. You and I were created, intelligently designed spiritually for community. And community happens in church. Can I be so bold as to say, I want you in church. I want to see you here every Sunday. No, I want to see you here every Sunday. I get it. There's a Seahawks game on right now. I want to see you every Sunday. Sometimes pastors, we don't say it. You know why? Because we're afraid people are going to say, well, of course you want me here because this is your show. And it makes you feel, I don't care about me. I honestly don't. Nick doesn't care about himself, Aaron, anybody. I want you here because being here makes you better. It makes me better. The statistics say that the Northwest region where you and I live is the darkest spiritually across our nation. In fact, those that call themselves Christians, statistics say, those that are believers in Jesus in the Northwest attend church once, maybe twice a month. I want you in church because you will be better when you come to church. You will be challenged, which makes you better. You will be encouraged, which makes you better. You will be connected with other people, which makes you better. So in your time of need, when you need that, you've got people around you to do it. And that last one, this idea of being connected, can I paint this story for you? If the definition of the church, if we think about it through this lens, through the church is the Grove Church, the church is the organization, the church is the pastors and the staff that make up the organization, can I tell you that while our hearts, and I'm, I'm speaking for Nick as if he's here, he would love to be at every single wedding, every single memorial, every single bar mitzvah, every single uh, child that's born in the hospital, he'd love to deliver the baby for you, I'm telling you. No, but I'm being honest, we would love to be at everything, but can I tell you what? It is physically impossible for the 20 people that make up the staff of the Grove Church to be at every moment of need that every person has in the moment, year after year. It's just simply not possible. Well, the desire is there, but people get hurt in church because, well, you won't do this, and you weren't there, and you weren't this. We try with everything we have, but it's just impossible. But guess what isn't impossible? We say it this way when it comes to the idea of the definition of church, because the first one's the wrong definition. We say it this way at the Grove, if you're new. It says, we give up things we love for things we love even more. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. I may not be able to be at every wedding and memorial and baby that's born, but all of us can in the moments that we have connection with. Community happens in church. Community happens in life groups. That's why we're, we're pumping life groups and using this title because it's fill month and it's, they start in October. And I know all of the reasons that stand in our way to want to jump in. We're worried, afraid we're going to be rejected. I'm not a real people person. I'm an introvert. What if they find out about really who I am? But it's in those relationships that you find encouragement right in the moment every time you need it because while I can't and Pastor Nick can't and the other pastors can't, those that you're connected with can Together, that's the model. That's the definition of the church. I want to encourage you, if you've never been in a life group before, or you have and you're considering not doing it this time, would you go out and at least talk with Jen? Talk with her team at the hub and say, tell me what groups you got. Tell me more about this. The first step is not signing you on the dotted line and you're signed up for the rest of your life, okay? If you've been in a life group before, can I simply say this, and it wasn't a right fit for you, find another one. Don't give up. You ever had a bad haircut? That's the way Pastor Nick says it. 
You ever had a bad haircut? Doesn't mean you stop, go and find a new barber. You got to have your haircut at some point. Like give another one a try. Jump into life groups. It's life-giving. I love watching life groups take care of each other. I love watching them rally around people that, man, they're in the hospital for a surgery and they need help instead of Nick or myself or somebody else. They're there loving them, ministering with them, praying with them. When babies are born within life groups and a couple has a baby, I don't know about you, but I was overwhelmed when I had a baby. Everything was just to take care of this baby. And life groups will rally around each other and say, hey, don't even worry about dinners for the next two weeks. We're all going to sign up for a night. We're going to bring you dinner so you don't even have to think about it. When a life-altering situation happens and somebody in a life group is like, man, i got to travel to a different state to take care of my mom or my dad or a relative that needs help. But what about my cats? What about my dog? What about the house? What about the yard? They rally around each other. That's the picture of the church rallying around. And that's because you and I were created for community. And when you and I are gathered together in community, it's not all that unlike the coals of a fire. That when together these coals burn hot, each coal feeding off of the others. And when you have a fire burning in your fireplace or a campfire, the actual thing that takes place is there's a chemical energy in the wood that changes into a thermal heat energy and a radiant light energy that impacts the area around its surroundings. And when together they burn hot and they keep feeding off of each other, but you remove that coal from a fire even for just a few seconds. And what happens? It gets cold, it goes black, and it dies. The same is true for you and I. When we're together, like a fire radiates thermal heat energy to its surroundings, the body of Christ when together should radiate Christ's lightness and love to its surroundings. A fire gives off this radiant light energy and the body of Christ, when together, should emanate. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says that you and I are supposed to be salt and light, an impact to the community, a sign to those around us. You and I were created for community. So I'm going to ask it one more time. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to pray. When and how often do you and I say to the key people around us, I could use your encouragement? Here's what challenge, jump in, run towards it, don't run away from it. Whatever that thing that keeps you from wanting to, 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 to jump in, to get to know, I'm telling you, it's worth it. We are better together, amen? Let me pray. God, we thank you for this simple but powerful truth. God, I pray a few things this morning for each person who's here. God, I simply pray that you would give them courage to step towards community. God, in whatever area impacts them that keeps them isolated and alone. And God, I pray you give all of us, God, perspective this week that tomorrow when we wake up that we would look for ways, number one, to encourage others around us in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our friendships, in our family. And number two, God, that we would be willing that if we find ourselves in a place of darkness where we need hope, God, that you would give us a boldness to step out and ask key people around us and just say, I need your encouragement. If the apostle Paul can say it, then God, we can say it. God, we say that we love you. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.